going to read chapter 27 today. Let's see how Luke's makeover goes and if he's really going to look like Lee and what will happen next. By eight o'clock, there were tiny lights strung in the trees along the driveway. An army of maids had made sure that every inch of the Grant's house was dust-free and virtually gleaming. Dozens of cooks had prepared tray after tray of more foods than Luke had ever seen before. And Luke had been transformed as well. Word watcher. Most of his teeth had been encased in silver prisons with something that felt like barbed wire running between them. His hair had been dyed a darker brown, while Mrs. Grant had fluttered over the hairdresser, lamenting, I can't believe you can't trust a boy anymore not to go bleaching his hair while he's away at school. The braces hurt. His newly dyed and gelled hair felt stiff and unfamiliar. He didn't recognize himself when he walked past a mirror. And now he and Smits were in their tuxes, standing at the top of the stairs, waiting. I want both of you to make a grand entrance, Mrs. Grant said, hovering over them, straightening Luke's tie, flattening a tiny cowlick at the back of Smith's head. After all the guests have arrived, I'll have the butler announce you. He'll say, and here are the sons of the manor, Lee and Smithfield Grant. And then you'll come down the stairs like so. She took small mincing steps down the top few stairs before turning around to make sure that they had been listening. Was this part of the plot, Luke wondered? Were the Grants counting on him being so clumsy and unaccustomed to the spotlight that he'd trip and fall? Would the guests believe that he would die from such a fall? Luke stared down the long stairway. Of course they would believe such a thing. If he tripped at the top and fell down 32 stairs, he might die for real. And that would probably suit the Grants just fine. Luke held in a shiver of fear and reminded himself, chandeliers. Oscar had said he needed to watch out for chandeliers. And assuming that Oscar was telling the truth about that, Luke had enough to worry about without looking for the other death traps. Far below, the doorbell rang. That must be the first guess, Mrs. Grant said. It'll be the snog grasses. They're always early. They have no social graces. Mrs. Grant shook her head disapprovingly and began walking down the stairs. She turned around briefly to remind both boys. Now remember, be on your best behavior. Down below, the butler was opening the door. Luke could hear his booming voice call out, Ah, Mr. and Mrs. Snodgrass. Mr. and Mrs. Grant will be so glad to greet you. May I take your coats? Beside Luke, Smith slumped and sat down at the top step. Luke decided he might as well do the same. He slid down beside the younger boy. The fake IDs he'd transferred into his tuxedo pocket poked in his leg, as if he needed another reminder that everything around him was false. I can't believe they're having a party, Smith muttered. My brother's dead and they're having a party? Luke glanced anxiously around. Oscar was leaning on a railing right behind them, but he seemed not to hear. It's been nearly six months, Luke said apologetically. Probably that's long enough to wait before people start having parties again. They were having parties all along, Smith said glumly. They had to pretend, Luke started to say. He didn't, he didn't like defending Mr. and Mrs. Grant. 
But he was getting panicked. Smits needed to pretend too. What if Smits told one of the party guests that Lee was dead? What if one of the servants overheard? But they were enjoying themselves, Smith said fiercely. They love their parties. They never cared about Lee. In spite of himself, Luke argued, I thought you said they liked him better than you. Smits fixed Luke with a dead stare. So now you know what they think of me. Behind them, Oscar cleared his throat warningly. Luke was suddenly fed up with all the souped-up fudge. Without thinking, he turned around and asked Oscar, Does Smits know who you are? Does Smits know that you knew Lee? That you can tell him everything he wants to know about how Lee died? Oscar's face turned fiercely red. He jerked his fists up. Luke knew that if even one of those fists hit him, he'd be knocked down the stairs for sure. But Oscar stopped short of swinging at Luke because Smits was answering. With eyes trained forward, Smits began reciting, Oscar is my bodyguard. My parents hired him when I started telling lies at my old school. I'm not mentally stable. That's what my parents say. That's why I have Oscar. Our Oscar works for my parents. He sounded like a schoolboy repeating facts he'd memorized but didn't understand. It was so eerie. Good, Oscar growled. Now we, now we all know where we stand. After the three of them sat in silence at the top of the stairs, until a huge light suddenly shone up at them, and the butler's booming voice called out, And here are the sons of the mansion, Lee and Smithfield Grant. Luke stumbled to his feet. Blindly, he began descending the stairs beside Smith's. The light was so intense, he couldn't see any of the guests below, but they were clapping. Luke tried to force himself to smile in the direction of the applause. The smile only pressed his lips more tightly into the braces, making his mouth ache even more. At the bottom of the stairs, Mrs. Grant wrapped first Luke, then Smith's into showy hugs. Smith's wasn't slighted in the least this time. Word watcher. My sons, Mrs. Grant said, and she sounded as if she loved them so, both so deeply. An old bewhiskered man behind her stepped forward to shake Luke's hand. My, how you've grown, the man said. I haven't seen you since you were barely up to my knee. Yes, Mr. President, Mr. Grant said, and her voice was as light and merry as a fountain. And now Lee's going through that gawky phase with the braces and all, so you might not even recognize him now. Mr. President? Was this the president? Was Luke shaking the hand of the man who'd outlawed third children? Only disbelief kept Luke from recoiling. Oh, I'd recognize this boy anywhere, the man. The president said, chuckling, looks just like his lovely mother. Luke choked back something like a giggle. And he'd certainly recognize you, Mrs. Grant said, in a voice so clogged with flattery that Luke could have gagged. The last time we drove into the city, there were pictures of you everywhere. Well, the man said, people keep insisting on pasting those pictures up. I don't even know where they get them. Your people love you, Mrs. Grant said soothingly. So it was the president. In a daze, Luke shook the next hand that was thrust at him, while Smith shook the president's. 
Fortunately, no one seemed to expect him to say anything more than, hello, sir. And just as fortunately, after the first few people, somehow Smits got ahead of Luke. More than once he turned back to Luke and said something like, look, it's Hadley Perkinson's. So Smits was helping Luke once again. Luke wasn't sure how long it would last, and no matter how hard he tried to act normal, he couldn't help glancing up every time he neared a chandelier. There was, only, there was one in the entryway, one in the living room, one in the parlor. After a while, Luke lost count, and there was Oscar constantly threading his way behind them like a dark shadow. Was Oscar waiting for Luke to turn around and announce, Okay, I've decided I'll help you now. Or was it already too late? Finally, Smits and Luke reached the end of the row of the hands that they had to shake. The guests seemed to have forgotten them. They stood together off to the side. Luke finally had a chance to think. He nudged Oscar's side. Did you see the president, he asked? What if we... Oscar instantly clapped his hand over Luke's mouth. Don't even finish that sentence, he hissed warningly in Luke's ear. There are guards everywhere. And then Oscar released him and nodded at a man in a dark suit nearby. Just showing him some bodyguard moves, Oscar said calmly. Luke wasn't even sure what he'd intended to suggest to Oscar. But how could Oscar, who wanted to overthrow the government, stand in the same room with the president and not do something? How could Luke? Then Luke looked around and noticed how many of the supposed guests had tiny wires leading into their ears. How many men kept their hands over pockets that, that, for all Luke knew, must have contained guns? Oscar was right. The house was crawling with guards. Did that make the party safer or more dangerous for Luke? Hors d'oeuvre, sir, a familiar voice said behind him. A serving girl in a black dress and a frilly apron held out a tray of undefinable round food. Luke's face instantly lit up. Not because of the food, but because of the girl. It was his friend Nina, who'd gone to the girls' school that, that boarded, bordered Hendrick's school for boys. Forgetting himself, Luke blurted out, What are you doing here? Nina did a better job of staying in character. I was just hired today, sir, she said with a small curtsy. Mistress hired several new servants just for tonight's party. Me, Trey, and Joel, and John were here to help, sir. And Luke understood that she meant Luke understood that she meant that the last part completely, not just part of not just as part of her act. Luke's friends were there to help him, not just Nina, but Trey and Joel and John. Mr. Hendricks had not sent him off to the grants and forgotten about him. For the first time that night, Luke felt like beaming. One of the round cheese balls or sausage balls or whatever they were rolled off Nina's tray. She bent down to pick it up. Then she glared up at Luke. Luke got the message. He fell to his knees as well, pretend to reach for the food. Nina leaned over and whispered in his ear, Be careful. Most of the servants are on Oscar's side. And you better believe it's killing me to call you sir. That's good to know, Luke murmured solemnly. Above him, Mrs. Grant swooped in out of nowhere. Lee, she hissed. Let the servant get that. My son should not be crawling around on the floor during my party. Yes, Mom, Luke said obediently and stood up. Mrs. Grant sniffed and steered him over to meet someone whose hand he'd somehow misshaken. 
While he was smiling and nodding and trying to act polite, he caught a glimpse of Trey opening and shutting a door to admit more guests. He saw John stacking dirty plates on a tray and whisking them away. And he saw Oscar with narrowed eyes talking to one of the president's guards. The party, Luke realized, was a battlefield. The sides were being drawn in the midst of women in their glittering dresses. The men in tuxedos holding elegant champagne glasses. The servants arranging tiny cakes and neat rows on doilies. Luke could guess at the alliances of every person in the room, except Smith's. The younger boy was slumped on the sofa, not even looking at the guests talking around him. Luke wondered how the younger boy felt, sitting there ignored while Mrs. Grant crowed over Luke. And Lee, you have to meet. Luke wished he'd been able to tell Smits just once how sorry he was that Smits had lost his brother. But would Smits have believed him? That is the end of this chapter. Uh, this party has a nice turn uh, with Luke's friends there. I hope they can help him. But it sounds like they don't trust Oscar. So let's see what happens. Post your titles.